Welcome to The Land Scene. I'm Lucy Solis, and this is a program dedicated to the people of our city. I wanted to create a place for us to have authentic conversations about the inspired stories, opportunities, and resources available right here in our town. As someone who has spent a portion of my life in poverty, I was able to change my trajectory through the help and the resources available right here in our community. I am proof that when we unify, our city and its people can rise together. Hey, greetings, Capital City. This is Lucy with The Land Scene, and here today we have Joshua Gillespie, who is the director of LMTS, the Community Outreach here in Lansing. Uh, Joshua is also a member of the Tabernacle of David, and he is the director of Diversity, Strategic Initiatives, and Inclusion at Olivet College. And he is a huge community advocate here in Lansing, and I've had the opportunity to work with him directly. So, Josh, welcome to the show. Thanks for having me. Good to see you. Good to see you as well. So, Josh, tell me a little bit about yourself and how you got involved in community advocacy. It started at a young age. My mom, I recall my mom always giving something away. But I think the most significant story was on an Easter, and I was preparing to put on my new green suit, you know, in the, wow. in, in the black church, mm-hmm. you know, Easter was a, a great day because all the kids wore all these new clothes. And so I was preparing to put on this new suit, but I couldn't find it. And so my mom said, let's go. It's time to go. So I just put on a suit. When I got to church, I saw this kid with my suit on. Now, of course, there are suits everywhere, but I just, that looked just like my suit. And this kid had it on. And I said, mom, And before I could say anything else, she says, son, you are blessed. That's where we left it. And that stuck with me. But not only those words stuck with me, but her actions every day. She was always doing something in the church, in the community for someone else. And my grandmother the same way. I mean, for Christmas, every family member would get some from grandma. Now, perhaps it it didn't fit. Perhaps it was the wrong gender. I mean, I'm, I'm, she's giving me a blouse. What am I doing with a blouse? But she gave it to me, and it was just that sense of, of giving to make sure that everybody had something. And so that spirit of wanting to help, that spirit of giving started at a very young age for me. And so it just continued in high school involved with community service organizations. And then, of course, in college, being part of a fraternity in a church that always uh, was trying to do something in the community, those uh, those words, those actions more so, and then uh, just caused me to be more engaged. And kind of that's where it started from. I can't thank you enough for that. Um, speaking of your fraternity, I've had the opportunity to work with you and your fraternity of course. on the City of Lansing Mobile Food Pantries. Yeah. Just for you folks out there to know that the Alphas come to the City of Lansing Mobile Food Pantries and they actually deliver to homebound people. Yes. So we can contact... Joseph Calloway. Mm -hmm. Um, That's one... We can put that information at the oh, end of the sure, show. Sure, but yeah, sure, sure, yeah, sure. But sure. you can contact. Um, we will give you the contact information if someone's in need of that because we are finding a lot of that lately here in the city. So moving on, Josh, tell me about LMTS. Tell me how that got started. Well, well, I mean, I, it started before I, I got involved. But, okay. I mean, so it, it was uh-huh. founded in 1998. Okay. And it was called Anchors Away. It was a pantry out of the church but also a resource mechanism for those in the church and outside the church to get the the necessary resources that they needed 
And that's what it was. And so it, it served the population in that way. 2015, the name changed to LMTS Community Outreach uh, Services. The LMTS part stood for the Larry Mitchell Trice Sr. Mm-hmm. He was the pastor of that church. And so they named their food pantry uh, or their pantry, if you will, after him because he uh, was a pastor who was committed to being a beacon light of hope in the community and being that beacon through through service. And so it was named after him and it has served uh, multiple families and collaborated with a, a number of different agencies uh, for quite some time. Mm-hmm. I got involved uh, about four years ago. I had not yet joined the church, but I was doing some volunteering for the church mm-hmm. And they needed help unloading the truck. And so I became involved with their food pantry by unloading the truck. And so I would do that and uh, eventually became a member. And then during the pandemic, there was thoughts about closing down the pantry during that time. And the pastor was vehement about that not happening. He he wanted to ensure that during the most difficult time, there was a space for us to continue to serve. And so... I got involved uh, during that time, and I've been the director since. I have just enjoyed trying to do something to uh, something small to just serve a population of our community uh, that at times is considered vulnerable, disenfranchised, underserved. And so I've been a part of that and will continue, if, at least for another year. At least for another year. Okay, so let's talk a little bit, do a little more deep dive sure. of LMTS. So I have been there. And what, maybe two years now, year and a half, two years, it's grown phenomenally. I mean, when you walk into this place, it's almost like a grocery store. There's the freezers, there's the refrigerators where people can choose things. Um, If you want to talk a little bit about the setup and how you have that with the Fresh Food Fridays. So we took over, probably they were, you know, it was based on the statistics that we were able to see. About 85 families a month was noted. Over a two-year period, we've grown from 85 to about 1,600 units a month, and we've become a, huge. A, a, I mean, so huge. If you break that down to numbers, I mean, it's like so 4,500 plus people. However, that's a when you start putting up the numbers, and we say units because some of those families are repeat families, you know. Mm-hmm. So it may not be quite. It's not 1,600 different families, mm-hmm. uh, but but it's 1,600. A meal served, if you will. And so, I mean, mean, I mean, but still, but still significant. Mm-hmm. We are a pantry of choice, which simply means that individuals can come into the center and shop for what they want, as opposed to us providing them a box that we think they may want based on the size of their family. So when you walk in our center, it's going to smell good. It's going to be clean. You're going to be greeted by some love. They'll check you in. You'll get your grocery basket Mm -hmm. and you will walk around as if you are in Costco, Myers, or wherever you might be. It truly looks like a store. Mm -hmm. And uh, we want the cans faced the same way. We are particular (laughs) about how we present it because we want those who are coming in to know that they are valued, they are respected. And so I think presentation makes all the difference. And so that's why we find the funds to make it look as if it's a store that someone that's not in need would be okay being at. And so that's important for us to do just that. Absolutely. So I, of course, have had the opportunity to volunteer with you 
and have the labels facing one way for you. The really, the really neat thing though that I noticed is when when I had to go to food pantries and get them again, they would just give us a box. I didn't know what was in the can sometimes. Um, I am a plant-based eater, and what I found so phenomenal is going to a pantry and seeing a plant-based section. Like that's the first time I've ever seen that. Like. You know, coming from being poverty and coming from being really poor to have that option, you know, that's just for people who have money to eat healthy like that and have plant-based. So it was just so eye-opening. And and talk about making people feel like they matter and that they're, you know, just as good as anybody else to go to Myers and you can go right here to your local pantry and get that those options. I mean, those are special days. I mean, it's not like that every, every, you know, I mean, let's be clear, but, you know, and it would be remiss of me not to acknowledge uh, the connection with the Greater Lansing Food Bank because it, exactly. it wouldn't happen this way without that connection. That's why we're able to provide the various options that we try to because of Greater Lansing Food Bank. It was based on our own budget. We may not be able to have the variety that we have. I mean, we are at a point now, and things have changed. I mean, I mean, inflation has caused things to change. I mean, we can talk about that in mm-hmm. a little bit, but we were able to even locate and find foods that connect with the cultures that are coming through. Before supply chain issues, mm-hmm. I mean, I would shop at, I would shop at LMTS. I mean, I mean that, that place, I mean, from, from vegan pizza to, on some occasions, lobster tail, just crazy. Mm-hmm. But that's because of the Great Lands of Food Bank. So I give a major shout out to Great Lands of Food Bank. Love them, love them, love them. Uh, a former employee who was my favorite, well, I probably shouldn't say my, well, yeah, my favorite, Lynette. Oh, my gosh. Made sure that we had the foods that we needed and to try to ensure that uh, we were able to even culturize the things that we have. And so, so just, just mad love for them. Mm-hmm. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. So when you were talking about culture, that's that's yeah. another thing I noticed when I was there is you do have a huge diverse population oh, gosh, that comes yes. there. Not a uh, a lot of non English speaking um, families. A lot of immigrants, refugees are there, and I was just blown away because that is just so wonderful. You know, just so wonderful that everybody is there together. You're helping them. You're working with them. This, I, I mean, you know, when you're able to provide food that is a staple in a community, then that would attract those from that community there. I, I believe that Fresh Food Fridays is what, it's an initiative uh, that we created. Uh, Joy Gleason was instrumental in coming up with this kind of creative name. And that became a day where we had more f- vegetables and more fruits more healthy options. And because of those healthy options, a number of our international population was attracted to LMTS. And so our Hmong population increased, our African population increased, our Cuban population. And although I said Hmong, I just I should just say our Asian population increased to our Middle Eastern population. I mean it this sea of culture was just beautiful uh, to see and to be around and to learn from, mm-hmm. you know. So I, I mean, we're just playing a small part, and that small part allowed us to glean in different ways to try to assist our community. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Uh, another thing I noticed there too is uh, the recipients come and volunteer. Crazy. Yeah, that is so, so amazing. So, so you know what 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 has been fascinating. As the numbers increased, we were just shorthanded. I mean, mm-hmm. the, the, I mean, when you're not 
paying folk. It's hard to, you know, it's hard to have a consistent volunteer. Mm -hmm. And so sometimes like we're doing our best to get things ready and individuals in the, that's waiting in line would say, do you need help? Yeah, we need help. Come help us. And that turned in for some to be a more consistent volunteer for a while as our numbers were just, as we were just blowing up. I mean, I call them my Cuban crew. Mm -hmm. I mean, it's my Cuban family. I mean, this I mean, this group of six truly helped us transform what we were doing on Fresh Food Fridays as we unloaded trucks and then tried to stock the center. Yeah, I mean, so, I mean, that's just one crew that I would I would acknowledge. But, yeah, just to have individuals who are once in line now, they're serving. And recently, a person who was in line every Friday is now kind of overseeing our AARP employees, if you will. So we've partnered, I mean, this, I'm going to jump into this. We mm-hmm. partnered with mm-hmm. AARP. And so they're trying to get those uh, 60 and above back into the workforce. So they pay these individuals to work in some areas. So we now have six employees from AARP that work for us. And a person that was in line is also an AARP person, but also helping to work with that population. So go figure. And who knew that this person used to manage a store? (laughs) I mean, so you just never never know. know. You never know Mm -hmm. uh, who's in line, Mm -hmm. who cares why. Mm -hmm. The important thing is just to, to treat them with love and kindness. And if a greater connection comes from that, then amazing. If not, We've done what we could do uh, to support that person during the time that they needed support. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I just... Crazy, I crazy. Love it. Love I it. love that they come and help. So if somebody wants to get involved and volunteer, how would they contact? They can go on the website, uh, lmtsoutreach.org, and they can sign up there. We're also on Volunteer Match mm-hmm. if individuals want to uh, subscribe there. Or just come to the center, 1122 West Holmes Road, Suite 3 and 4, and come in and just inform us that they want to volunteer. We'll put them to work. You also, do you still have the closet? So can it's, talk a little it, bit about yeah, that? Yeah, yeah, yeah. So the closet is, is currently shut down. Okay. Um, but we're going to resume it in February. We wanted to just kind of change up some of the clothing. Uh, I, I wanted to have clothing that also matched the collegiate environment. I mean, I want to not just serve some of our seniors or those going back to the workforce, but also to have clothing that uh, resonates with um, our college students as well. I mean, we want our career and work clothes closet uh, to connect with whoever is coming in there. So we just can't have a it got to a point, Lucy, where we, I mean, it was like we was going to church. Nothing wrong with the church. Nothing wrong with the church clothes. But I mean, I wanted to look more than just the church clothes, you know. Mm-hmm. So so anyway, so that's that's down for now, but it will resume uh, in February. Okay, great. So you gave the information on how to volunteer, how to contact for help. What are, what are your hours? Our current hours are 10 a.m. to 3 p.m. Tuesday through Thursday. Uh, we've put a hold on Fresh Food Fridays because we're not getting the produce uh, because mm-hmm. of supply chain. And then the weather doesn't uh, allow for that. Um, but those are our current hours. And we're using Friday now as an opportunity to stock for Tuesday. I didn't say this, but I should have said this. Lucy, you got to the point where we're 100 people a day. Oh, wow. 100 people a day on Fridays, mm-hmm. 160 plus. I mean, I think our highest Tuesday was 125. Our highest Friday was 175. Mm-hmm. 
but this was pretty consistent. Right. And so, you know, you're coming on Thursday. There's not, there is nothing in the center. Uh, you know, we unload a truck and the next day it's gone. It was, I mean, that's just the volume of, of people coming through and us just trying to serve them the best that we can. We haven't talked about this, but things have shifted mm-hmm. with inflation, the cost of food, uh, the supply chain issue. And for some places, the a decrease in donations coming in, mm-hmm. uh, that's impacted how much we're able uh, to even give to a family. You know, it used to be because you, you come in LMTS, I mean, you, you, got a, you got a month, two months worth of food. You're good to go. Right. And you can come back next week. I, I mean, we didn't have the restriction of, of once a month. Mm-hmm. You could come once, so you can come once a week, and on and Fresh Food Friday. So we were doing, uh, you know, we, we were taking care of people plenty for sure. But now with this shift, we've had to be more strategic in how we distribute food, just to ensure that people are getting uh, something, and that's been bothersome to some degree. Because you want to give them as much as you can, right. but it's just uh, not been plausible um, lately. Are we still utilizing the office for a warming? Absolutely. So, 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 uh, give a shout out to Lucy. She was, she was on my nerve on that day, but it was all good. <laughs> no, uh, folks were outside standing. It was cold. And one of the rooms that we were using uh, uh, to, to store things, Lucy suggested, you know, it would be kind of cool to have a warming station. I'm like, Lucy, the room's only so big. This, we're not downtown the city. I mean, we got room for no. She's like, Josh, just think about it. So listen, it wasn't, the idea was brilliant. We just implemented it. Matter of fact, two weeks later, we cleaned out the room, painted the room, put a TV in the room, and used it as a warming station. And it was one of the best things that we could have done. Uh, once again, it reminded people that we cared about mm-hmm. them. And it was just another gesture uh, to uh, be chivalrous, if you will, uh, to for those coming in. So, yep, we implemented that idea and we, and we just, it's funny, we just moved it to a larger room two weeks ago, actually. Oh, awesome. And is that the same hours for the warming? Yes. I mean, so it's not a warming station as, you know, there's a lot of times for it. So whenever we're open, if you're in line, then uh, as opposed to just waiting, we bring you in to uh, be warm and then as we and then as each guest goes through when when there is space we bring someone else in just so you're not standing out in the cold as long that's wonderful wonderful thank you so much sure um so anything else you'd like to wrap Uh, up waiting for you to ask of course (laughs) so we are really excited about what's forthcoming so we Mm -hmm. applied for a grant with hrcs and we, are, we were approved for this grant, and this grant will allow us to offer free therapy. And so we know that mental health um, is an issue that has no prejudice. Uh, you know, anyone, it, it makes no difference how wealthy, how educated you are. Mental health can impact anyone. And so we recognize that particularly in vulnerable populations, mental health, those communities tend to have a higher um, level of, of mental health concerns or issues, if you will. For one, because of all the, all of the pressure, number one, mm-hmm. and so uh, yes, we'll be offering mental, we'll, we'll be offering therapy beginning in in January, okay. and, and in addition to that, uh-huh. uh, we are looking to purchase uh, some property 
um, emergency housing. I mean, so at the forum that we just had a few weeks ago, they talked about some of the top issues in Lansing and emergency housing happened to be one of those. And that was part of our strategic plan that we had set uh, three years ago. And so we're going to see as we apply for grants that we can help in that regard as well. And then lastly, our Beyond the Dream project, which will allow us to work with youth and give them an opportunity to look beyond what they currently see. So we're going to incorporate what we call anthropological excursions where individuals are placed in environments that they may not normally be. And so taking a, a young person that perhaps is impoverished and letting them see DC, letting them be part, letting them learn about different cultures through food, through art, through different ways of engagement. We plan to get us a, a, a pilot cohort to make that happen. So, I mean, there's some other things, but those are some of the things that we're, that we're pretty excited about. That's wonderful. Well, thank you. Josh. Are we done? We are done. Thank Hold you on. so much. We're done. Oh, I still got something to say. I'm just kidding. I'm good. I'm good. Thank you so Thank much you. for being here. Thank you so much for what you do for the community. Absolutely. We appreciate it. Have a good one. Thank you. Thank you so much for taking time out of your day to listen to The Land Scene. Music for The Land Scene provided by Joystack. For more information, go to joystack.org. To listen to this episode and others on demand, visit lccconnect.org. If you have a story to share or would like to be a guest on the show, let me know. I'm Lucy, and thanks once again, Capital City. It means so much to me to have the support of our community. Remember, when unified, our city and its people can rise together. Celebrating one year of LCC Connect, visit us online at lccconnect.com and click on the Celebrate tab to find out more. We are LCC Connect. Voices. Vibes. Vision. Coming in March to the Black Box Stage, Lansing Community College Performing Arts presents I Knock at the Door, a play written by Sean O'Casey and adapted by Paul Shire. This play tells the story of a family being held together by a loving and strong mother while class and religious turmoil threaten to pull them apart. I Knock at the Door will be featured March 16th through the 18th. For more information, visit lcc.edu slash show info. Today in school, I learned a lot. In chemistry, I learned that no one likes me. In English, I learned that I'm disgusting. And in physics... I learned that I'm a loser. Today in school, I learned that I'm ugly and useless. And in gym, I learned that I'm pathetic and a joke. In history, I learned that I'm trapped. Today in school, I learned that I have no friends. In English, I learned that I make people sick. And at lunch, I learned that I sit on my own because I smell. In chemistry, I learned that no one likes In biology, I learned that I'm fat and stupid. And in math, I learned that I'm trash. The only thing I didn't learn in school today... The only thing I didn't learn today... The only thing I didn't learn... Is why no one ever helps. Kids witness bullying every day. They want to help, but they don't know how. Teach them how to stop bullying and be more than a bystander at stopbullying.gov. A message from the Ad Council. Michigan residents age 25 or older may qualify for Michigan Reconnect a program providing free or reduced tuition to students who have not earned a prior college degree. 
ReConnect students are responsible for books and fees. Visit lcc.edu slash reconnect for more information. LCC. Connect. Voices. Vibes. Vision. This is Amy Wagonar from the Historical Society of Michigan with a Michigan History Moment. The University of Michigan has many distinctions. It has one distinction unlike that of any other university in the world. It has an alumni chapter on the moon. The University of Michigan was founded in 1817 in Detroit and originally named the Catholopistomiad or University of Michigania. The name brought about much ridicule. Territorial Governor Lewis Cass disparaged it as the Catholo what's its name. In 1821, the name was changed to the University of Michigan. It moved to Ann Arbor in 1837, the same year that Michigan became a state. NASA's Apollo program of the 1960s and early 1970s put astronauts on the moon. Apollo 11 put the first men on the moon in 1969 and several other missions followed. Apollo 15 landed on the lunar surface in 1971, its astronauts tasked with bringing back rock samples. All three astronauts, James Irwin, David Scott, and command pilot Alfred Warden, had ties to the University of Michigan. Scott attended Michigan for a year before accepting an invitation to the United States Military Academy at West Point. James Irwin earned two master's degrees in aeronautical engineering and instrumentation engineering at the University of Michigan in 1957. Alfred Warden earned the same degrees at U of M in 1963. In 1971, after their Apollo mission, the University of Michigan awarded honorary doctoral degrees in astronautical engineering to all three men. The Apollo 15 mission was the first in which astronauts used the lunar roving vehicle, best known as simply the lunar rover. Irwin and Scott completed three extravehicular activities on the moon while Warden orbited above in the command module. In addition to collecting rock samples, they left a document that established a lunar branch of the University of Michigan's Alumni Association. The document read, The Alumni Association of the University of Michigan, Charter No. 1. This is to certify that the University of Michigan Club of the Moon is a duly constituted unit of the Alumni Association and entitled to all the rights and privileges under the Association's Constitution. Popular belief notwithstanding, the Apollo 15 crew did not leave a U of M flag on the moon, only a United States flag. The U of M alumni charter document remains on the moon today. It's safe to assume that no one attends any Club of the Moon meetings. This Michigan History Moment is brought to you by michiganhistorymagazine.org. Featuring the staff, faculty, students, and others that help to make Lansing's premier college what it is today. You're listening to LCC Connect. To find out more about our featured programs or to listen on demand, visit us at lccconnect.org. LCC Connect. Voices. Vibes. Vision. Lansing Community College students now have the option to go beyond an associate degree through LCC's University Center. The University Center is a partnership between LCC and five four-year universities. Located on LCC's downtown campus, these universities offer junior and senior level courses 
Find out more about the University Center, visit lcc.edu. If you came across someone struggling with hunger, how would you recognize them? By their clothes, their age, the way they speak? Would you notice an eight-year-old girl who's not, not excited, excited for, for summer break because she may not be having lunch again until September? Or a single father of two who works three part-time jobs and still can't put enough food on the table? Or maybe a mother who cleans offices at night? Hoping to find meeting leftovers to take home to a hungry family. Or a war veteran who's having, having a hard time, time landing a job and getting back on his feet. I am the one in eight Americans who struggle with hunger. People you pass by every day but never knew were hungry. I am hunger in America. Hunger can be hard to recognize. Learn why at IamHungerInAmerica.org. Brought to you by Feeding America, 200 Food Bank Strong, and the Ad Council. On Wednesday, March 22nd, Lansing Community College will be holding its 10th annual transfer fair at the Gannon Commons on LCC's downtown campus. Over 25 representatives will be available to explain transfer options toward obtaining a four-year degree. The transfer fair is free to attend and open to the public. For more information or to RSVP, visit lcc.edu slash march on. LCC. Connect. Voices. Vibes. Vision. Hey, 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 this is Lisa A., and you're listening to Who's That Star on LCC Connect at Lansing Community College. Who's That Star is a behind-the-scenes show where I sit down and talk with the employees at the college. This is an inside look at LCC where you will have a chance to learn about their passions, projects, what inspires them both at work and in their personal lives. I'm your host, Lisa Alexander. I'm so excited to get a chance to talk to all the people who make LCC great. This show is for you to get to know the people that work at Lansing Community College a little bit more and see what makes them tick. Are you ready? Okay, let's go see who's today's star. I'm so excited to have today's guest on Who's That Star. He is new to LCC community and comes to us with a vast amount of experience in his field. This star was born in Queens, New York, but his family moved to a small town in northern New Jersey where he grew up. He began his career in law enforcement with the Baltimore Police Department in March of 2001. He was assigned to the patrol division in the Northwestern District, where he spent most of his career. He has worked in the Flex Unit and the Narcotics, Div Narcotics Division, and he also worked two years in the Violent Crimes Impact Division. During his work in the Northwestern District, our star established relationships with the colleges and universities in the areas where he worked. He worked closely both with faculty and students, as well as campus security at Baltimore Community College, Copen State University, University of Baltimore, and University of Maryland Satellite Campus. He has had many promotions throughout his career. He was promoted to sergeant in 2008. Then he became a lieutenant in 2015. He would later become the commanding officer of the Western District Operations Unit District Action Team. In 2000, excuse me, in December of 2017, he was promoted to captain and moved to Central District. Then May of 2018, he was promoted to major, where he served as commanding officer of Central District. 
He has received many commendations over his 20-year career. Many came for his service during the civil unrest in 2015 that happened in Baltimore. As the climate and policing began to change, our star was appointed by the police commissioner to serve as both co-chair and head chair on numerous administrative oversight hearings. He was appointed to this position largely due to his reputation for demonstrating high level of integrity and objectivity. He served in this role until he retired at the rank of major in May of 2021. Let's find out who's today's star. Drum roll, please. Today's star is Daryl Gaines, LCC Police Chief. We're so glad to have you here, Chief Thank Gaines. You. Thank you for having me. So I have so many questions to ask you, so I'm just ready to get started, Let's okay? Mm -hmm. So can you tell me a little bit about who you are and what is important in your life right now? Well, you touched on a little bit. I'm from originally from New Jersey. Mm -hmm. um, it's a small town. It's uh, Bergen County, New Jersey. I grew up in a town called Hillsdale. Mm -hmm. It's about 20, 25 minutes outside of New York City. Oh, okay. Yeah, so uh, big sports fan. So all my, I'm very loyal to my teams. Oh, yeah, because so. I'm going to ask you later yeah, on yeah, about... I know you're going, man. <laughs> but I, I'll just start by saying that. That you loyal. loyal. Okay, so loyal. I know where to go. Okay. Yep. <laughs> um, so, yeah, I... I uh, Grew up in a decent-sized family. I have mm -hmm. uh, two brothers. I have a sister, uh, mother and father. Okay. Uh, stayed together for a long time, still together. So I'm, I have strong belief system in family. Right. Uh, values and, and, you know, ethics and morals and things like that. Those things were instilled, instilled in me uh, by my mother and father. And, and, you know, just a close-knit family, uncles, aunts. Yeah. Where um, are you in birth order? Uh, I am the middle child. Okay. So third. Okay. Yeah. So I get a little bit of a mixed bag. <laughs> right. <laughs> but uh, yeah. And then, um, you know, I, I spent probably the first 30 years of my life in New Jersey before I finally decided, um, you know, I wanted to become a police officer. I met my wife in 1999. Okay. Uh, in New Jersey. She was going to school at Montclair State. She was uh, going for her master's. Okay. And uh, it's kind of funny because our families actually were connected before we met. Oh, really? Yeah, my, my sister, uh, my older sister, she worked with my wife's brother-in-law, who was oh. her sister's wife. They worked at Colgate in New York City together. Wow. Yeah, so you had the whole match thing going on. Yeah. They were trying to get us together for a long time, and we finally ended up meeting because my wife's sister is actually the, was the director, still is, uh, but at the time was the director of the preschool that my niece was going to. Okay. My, my sister's daughter. Um, and so we, they had a fundraiser. I finally agreed, okay, I'll go to the fundraiser, I'll meet her, and pretty much have not been apart since. The rest so is the history. The rest is history there. So they knew what they were doing, they, huh? They knew what was happening. <laughs> I give them, I'll give them credit. Good. Uh, you owed them. It was a match made in heaven. That's wonderful. And so you know, me and my wife have been married for 22 years now. We've got two daughters. Oh, wow. Yep, and so from Jersey, we, you know, when I decided to get on the police department, we looked around for, and it's like I was saying before, you know, at the time I didn't have a college degree yet, mm -hmm. and um, my first, um, 
you know, what I first wanted to do was be a police officer in the New York, New Jersey area where I grew up. Okay. But, um, you know, the departments up there, they required you to have a college degree at the time. Oh, I didn't know that. Yeah. So I couldn't get on there, uh, which ended up bringing me to Baltimore. You didn't, you didn't need a college degree to get on there at the time mm-hmm. in Baltimore. So I had been through there a couple of times. My sister lived in Virginia. Mm. We used to pass through Baltimore a lot. I always liked the city. Um, always thought it had a lot to offer. And, I, you know, of course, I had to get the approval from the wife. I mm. said, what do you think about Baltimore? She said anywhere but Jersey. She, right. was not, she was not a fan of Jersey. Okay. So we ended up moving to Baltimore. Got on the police department and raised the kids there and was there for 20 years and now I'm in Lansing. The rest is history, the rest huh? Is history. Yeah, that um, that's a great story. Yeah, and you know, you still kept going. Mm. You you found a place for you yeah. where you were. Right. But then you still did end up getting a degree. Yeah, got my degree. Um, I I I got my degree while I was, I guess it was um when I was a sergeant. Um. You know, Baltimore has had some policies at the time, too. Mm-hmm. And you can only move up so high in the ranks without a college degree. Oh, okay. And, you know, it's funny. I, I remember, I remember. I guess it might have been, I had three or four years on the department at the time, and I went out to visit my parents. They were living in the Poconos at the time. And my dad was, we were having, a, I was having a conversation with my father, and he was like, well, you know, you got Simone and you've got the two the two kids now. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, what are your plans? Right. Because at the time, I was I was in working in narcotics at the time. I was perfectly happy with just being a narcotics detective. Oh yeah. And I was just going to stay there. And, and you know, I had no plans on you know trying to get promoted or anything like that. And you know, my dad told me he said, you know, you it's not about you anymore. Right. You know, it's about your family. It's about giving them the best life that they can have. Because that's dangerous in narcotics, right? Yeah, it's dangerous yeah. work, and and you know, especially in a in a city with violence like mm-hmm. Baltimore has. And I think, um, you know, he was thinking about that. Right. But I think he was more talking about my mentality at the time because. I was so used to just living for myself, mm. you know, even before I met my wife, mm-hmm. um, you know, I didn't really have anybody else to consider. Mm-hmm. And so it was an adjustment for me to to make that transition and realize it's really not about me. Anymore. Right. Yeah. It's about my kids. It's about my wife and it's about giving them the best life that I possibly could. So, you know, my my father basically hit me upside the head and it was like, you need to start looking to get promoted. Don't make lateral moves. Right. You need to to move up. And so I realized that in order to really, really move up, I was going to have to go back to school and get my degree. It's it's always good when somebody can give you some insight, you know, to kind of push you along that you care about that got, you know, that you trust their console. So I think that's great. Yeah. Well, can you tell me, about your work at LCC, like what's what's the day in the life of a chief police on a college campus? Well, I mean, it's it's definitely different. It's different from where I came from, but you know, here here at LCC, I'm I'm basically everything public safety. Mm-hmm. You know what I mean? So, even when I first got here, you know, the first thing I, I really had to do was sort of assess the entire department, mm-hmm. try to figure out. Um, how to make us better, how to make us more sustainable, um, and how to really build relationships. Right. You know, the one thing that um, I always learned from Baltimore was that building and maintaining strong relationships will pay off in the long run. 
For sure. And so not just not just building relationships with, you know, other police jurisdictions um, for partners, but really building relationships within the college campus. Right. I noticed that because I know I jacked that name up. <laughs> what, what's the college? Was it? Coppin State. Coppin. Yeah. Okay. Coppin. Mm-hmm. Okay. Yeah. So, yeah, I saw that. It was Baltimore yeah. Community College, Coppin, mm-hmm. uh, University of Maryland, and then yeah. University of Baltimore. Yeah. So you have an experience working with really different kinda, campuses. Yeah, yeah, bridging those gaps and, and you know, Baltimore is, is obviously different. It's it's a, you know, the amount of uh, schools in Maryland, I mean, they have a ton of ton of colleges mm-hmm. in Maryland, but specifically in Baltimore, there's a lot of colleges in Baltimore. And most of the colleges in Baltimore have their own uh, police. Yeah. Um, and so it's important to bridge those. You have to have those relationships to, you know, just, just to have the communication, passing intelligence and mm-hmm. things like that. And I, and I knew how effective that was when I came here. And so that was like one of my first goals when I got here was to start building those bridges, um, you know, with administrators, with, with staff and mm-hmm. faculty, everybody that, that is going to matter to making us good. Right. Everybody that's going to matter to making, you know, the college as safe as it could possibly, as, possibly be, as secure it can possibly be. You have to have everybody on the same page. Everybody's got to be moving in the same direction or else it doesn't work. Right. And so that was that was one of my primary goals when I first got here. Within my first hundred days, I wanted to make sure that, you know, I was an open book for people. I wanted to make sure that I was uh, accessible mm-hmm. for people. Um, I think I think sometimes, you know, in police work, we kind of get closed off a little bit mm-hmm. um, and we're not as accessible as we should be. Mm-hmm. And I want I wanted to make sure that, you know, if 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 a faculty had an issue or if a staff member had an issue or even a student that I am not somebody that's not approachable. Yeah. I mean, I, I felt like that I was, uh, you did a presentation mm-hmm. that I went to yeah. with the, um, with the, mm-hmm. the violent the active shooter. Yeah. Active yeah. shooter. And so I was like, Oh, we got the police chief yeah. presenting to us. <laughs> and I thought that was cool. You yeah. know, that yeah. you took the time yeah. to do that, you know, yeah. along with, you know, your, well, I don't hide behind my, Behind my position, yeah, I'm I'm just a regular person that happens to be a police chief. That's, right, that's the way I approach my job. And I thought that was cool though, and I was like, oh, we're important to him. <laughs> you know, I mean, that made us feel like yeah. you know, you had it didn't feel like oh, I got other things mm. better to do no. than deal with that. And so yeah, yeah. I appreciated that. No, it's my pleasure. I, I love doing stuff like that. I love getting out and meeting people and stuff. And yeah, and it was people. interesting, and you know, we got to learn a lot. And then you answered all our questions, so I was like. Oh, Oh, yeah. And I felt, you know, secure. Mm. Well, you know, I felt better. That's good. That means we did our yeah, job. Yeah, <laughs> you did. So now, and we had, you know, we got some tools, like different things to think about mm-hmm. in protecting ourselves. So yeah, it's it's important to have that situational awareness. Yeah, those kinds of just things. to be thinking about that, yeah. you know. And I was like, okay, yeah, I'm gonna I'm gonna make sure I'm aware. Yeah, you know? absolutely. And, I I think sometimes we do we take that for granted. Yeah. You know, on our cell phones all the time and stuff. So yeah, it's important. So tell me about why you work at LCC. What is it that keeps you coming back here? Because you could have retired. So could have retired. Um, you know, it's funny. Like halfway through my career in Baltimore, I started thinking about other challenges. Mm-hmm. You know, because there really is a difference between working at a municipality in a, in a you know mm-hmm. fairly large city and 
in a college. Right. And I knew that there was a difference there. I can tell just from talking to some of my, the people that I connect with mm-hmm. in Baltimore. And so um, I think, you know, as I sort of got towards the end of my career in Baltimore, I started thinking like, well, I'm not ready to just go home and sit on the couch. Mm-hmm. You know, I, I want to keep working. Yeah. Um, but I want a different challenge. I want something that I don't want to just go to another municipality police department and do the same thing I was doing. Cause honestly, I felt like I had accomplished everything I, I, sh- I needed to accomplish. And I felt like I, I did more than that. Mm-hmm. I felt like, um, you know, I even surpassed some of my own expectations of Baltimore. Well, yeah, you did, especially I, with somebody that wanted to do just a lateral, just, you know, just the lateral <laughs> yeah, moves. stay where yeah. you were. Yeah. yeah. So, you know, you, you would ask me 20 years ago if I would have retired a major, I probably laughed at you, but you know, so I, I surpassed my own expectations there, and I felt like I don't want to just jump into the same pool. I right. want to do something. I I want to stay in in law enforcement, but I want to do it in a different capacity. And so, you know, it's funny because everything just seemed to line up. You mm-hmm. know, my kids were were getting ready to go to college, and my, one of my first concerns is, okay, well, is the college they're going to safe? Mm. You know, and so I asked a lot of questions. You know, the, the schools that they were looking at. Right. And, so I started thinking about it. Well, I, maybe I should try going to a college because I know what it's like as a parent for your kids to go away to school and you're always wondering about, are they safe? That's a good point. You know what I mean? And so if I can impact that. Yeah. And and I think the other reason, um, in all honesty, is because we had gone through a period of time there, um, probably from about, um, you know, we had the, the riots, mm-hmm. the civil unrest in Baltimore. And, um, uh, you know, during that time, we heard a lot of young people standing up and, and um, you know, really kind of voicing their opinions about police. And um, I, I just kind of felt like, well, what better way to impact and, and you know, start a different movement through law enforcement than directly um, dealing with young people? Right. Because they're the ones that are speaking out right now. They're the ones that have the biggest problem with us. That's true. And so I figured, you know, I've got experience you know, I know, I know, I know this profession like the back of my hand. I've been doing it for a long time. Yeah. And I said, well, let me try my hand at, at doing law enforcement on a college level and actually being able to interact and deal with uh, college age kids directly. You know what I mean? And so I think that's that's when I started looking, um, when I knew I was thinking about retiring and I started thinking about other employment, mm-hmm. I only looked at, at college law okay. enforcement. I didn't look at other police departments. Right. Uh, you know, I, I just looked in the direction of colleges because I thought it would be a challenge. I thought it would be different. I bet. It, I mean, to me, it seems like coming from where you came from, like mm. a lot of excitement, yeah. a lot of stuff going yeah. on <laughs> that coming. Well, yeah. to me, I would probably be, if I was your wife, I'd be happy you were coming yeah. to a college well, campus. But I mean, there could be stuff that pops off. Yeah, but. sure. But I mean, to be perfectly honest, I mean, listen, you know, it's no secret. Baltimore is very, it, it's a very violent city. Right. Um, and so I can only imagine what that must have been like for my wife. For my parents, for my, you know, my family in yeah. general, uh, every time I went to work, not knowing if I was going to make it home. Right. Yeah. And so I, I also had to take that into consideration along with looking for that other challenge. Mm-hmm. Um, I took into consideration that, well, let me let me try to slide into an area of law enforcement where my wife can actually sleep at night and not have to worry. You Man, know? I mean, yeah. Which, it's, I I have a very, very supportive family. I have a very supportive wife. She's a God-fearing woman. Mm-hmm. You know, we are a God-fearing family. Yeah. 
And I, that is how I'm sure she got through most of my careers through prayer. I bet. And so just to ease that burden on her, and yes. to, you know, and like you said, not to say that nothing can't happen at, at the school. Um, Lord knows we've seen a lot of right. things happening at the school, but it is definitely a different, it's a completely different atmosphere. Yeah. And I think you, you know, I mean, you've done your time. Yeah, I mean, you I did, like did, you did your time. <laughs> yeah. So I think it's, mm. it's great that you have an opportunity to have a second career yeah. in something that you still enjoy, but yeah. you can see the benefits of, Absolutely. you know, helping other people in a different mm -hmm. way. So I think Absolutely. that's cool. Yeah. So what was your first job? <laughs> uh, let's see, this is going to be a little unbelievable, but um, I tell you, I grew up in New Jersey. Mm -hmm. So my first job that I ever had, I think I was, I was maybe 10 or 11. Uh -huh. And I had one of those fathers that believed that you get to work. Right. <laughs> <laughs> you know, you can do something. Exactly. So um, where the, the uh, town that I grew up in, it was a big orchard. Uh, it was called, well, I'm not going to say the name, but it was a big orchard and it was very close to the house. Okay. And it was a place where um, a lot of the local residents would get all their vegetables and their fruit and stuff. It was basically a farm. Okay. And so um, my father had me go down to the head guy and ask him for a job. And they gave me a job in the orchard picking peaches. Okay. Which was miserable. Okay, yeah. <laughs> it was miserable. You're out there and it's hot and the peach fuzz is sticking to you and you're itchy and... Bugs. Oh, everything, everything. Because the peaches are sweet, so you can bees and that, stuff, right? Everything. Oh, All man. All kinds of bugs and bees and... Oh, my goodness. But that was... I'll say this. That was my introduction into the workforce, but mm -hmm. that that was a miserable job. I hated it. Yeah, <laughs> but you you take something from every every place, so right? I took something from that job. Well, that that's 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 an interesting one. I wouldn't have thought that. <laughs> I, one, I, you I, know, a lot of people wouldn't have. Mm -hmm. So, what are some of your hobbies, and how did you get into them? Um, well, I love the fish. I mean, that's one thing, and and I don't get to do it much uh, because of work, and you know. I just just don't get to do it as as much as I would like to. But my uncle, my uncle Randy, got me into fishing. He used to uh, fish on the Bassmaster Tour for a oh. short period of time. Yeah, he actually um, he was he played football at Howard, and then he I think he played a very short time uh, with the Redskins. But after he had an injury, mm -hmm. and he was always a big big fisherman, and so he ended up taking it up as a profession and. When we got old enough, he would take us out fishing with him. He would teach oh, us how to cool. do it. That's cool. Yeah. So ever since, I've just been, I love fish. I love the bass fish. So you think you're a pro? No. Okay. I know I'm not a pro. <laughs> but I do enjoy it. And I will catch fish when I go out there. I have some idea of what I'm doing. So have you been to any places in Michigan? Not yet. That's what I'm, I really, really want to go. Oh, well, we got to get you to some spots around town. I heard you, you guys got some, some lakes. Yeah, because they got Sleepy Hollow. Hmm. And you can go out there. And there's a couple of places. Yeah. Uh, my partner, he goes fishing sometimes. Okay. So I'll try to get some names for yeah. you and let you know. Absolutely. Yeah. I mean, aside from that, I'm a sports junkie. Okay. I'm all about my sports teams. We can get into okay, it. Okay, good. Because I, I normally wait and use this for the last question. Mm -hmm. But I'm going to have to ask you. Now, I already know that you're not from Michigan. You know this. But I have to put this out here. Okay. Are you go green or are you go blue? Okay, so this is a hard one for me. Okay. Okay, because I, my own family, okay, my father, 
my older brother, Corey, my cousin, Amber. Uh-huh. Uh, they are all graduates of UM. Really? Yes. My father went to um, undergrad at UM. Okay. My brother went to UM business school, graduated from the business school. And my cousin, Amber, is a graduate of UM. Okay, so. But on the other hand, my wife's family mm-hmm. is all Michigan State. Okay, wife's family. So it is a difficult, <laughs> it is a tough line to tow. Um, but I was given specific instructions when I moved here from my family yeah. that I am not to uh, deviate from Go Blue. Yeah, I get it. I mean, yeah. you got to do what you got to do. Yeah. Y'all don't invest <laughs> enough cash in U of M that yeah, I could yeah. see that, you mm-hmm. know, that's a, yeah. that you can do that. And that's okay. We still love Listen, the I U of M people. I don't not root for Michigan State. I, I just... You, you know, just got to root for U of M when it's... Sure yeah. I root for UM. Actually, my wife's, uh, my wife's uncle, her father's brother, was a professor at UM for... Okay. I think 40 years. Okay. So we've got ties to both schools. Okay. I mean, I, that's fair. <laughs> but um, with that being said, yeah, I am a Giants fan. Okay. And I'm a Mets fan. Okay. And, and I'm a Nets fan. Uh, you know, they were in New Jersey for a long time before they moved to Brooklyn. Right. So I'm very, very loyal to my teams. Okay. You know, and yeah. I get that. I, that's mm-hmm. me. I'm loyal mm-hmm. to all my teams, too. Right. Even the Lions. You should I'm, be. <laughs> I'm, I'm loyal to all of my teams. I team. know the pain. I've been so, a Giant fan for a very long time. Right. So I know the pain. But yeah, you got to be a loyal fan. Mm-hmm. So I, I do appreciate oh, that. Absolutely. So do you live by any piece of advice or a model? I do. Um, so I told you that I'm, you know, we're a God-fearing family. Mm-hmm. And so um, I, every morning that would, when I wake up, I always thank God for giving me another day because it's not promised. Right. So I always say a little silent prayer to myself, thanking, thanking the good Lord for mm-hmm. another day. Mm-hmm. Um, and then somebody said something to me a long, long time ago. And it made a lot of sense to me because um, of the personality that I had and how I grew up. But I always remind myself every morning when I wake up that yesterday is gone. Tomorrow is not promised. Mm -hmm. But for today, I'm okay. And that that to me, um, it's a reminder to myself not to dwell on the bad days. You know, and don't worry about what hasn't happened yet. Right. But just be grateful, be blessed that you have today to have a better day. You know, that's that's kind of how I wake up every morning. That's what that's those are the things that I tell myself mm-hmm. before I start my day. Um, and yeah, that that's those are those are two things that are almost like ritual with me at this point. Well, I definitely think though those are great models and mm-hmm. I, I model, excuse me, and I think that. We're going to end on that mm. because we, we've already talked. And I still got a whole bunch of questions that I could ask you, but I only have a short <laughs> amount of time. So Understood. we definitely going to have to bring you back. I would love to come back. I appreciate you taking time to come on Who's That Star Today. Yeah. Um, I think it's good that we get an opportunity to get to know that the people that protect us. Mm. And yeah. um, I think that, like I said, I was really impressed with you. I, I, I appreciate you. the training that you gave us. And so... Not a problem. Um, I'm hoping that you're here with us for a long time. That's the plan. All right. It's well, my pleasure. Thank you for having me. Oh, it's wonderful. Yeah. You guys, um, I will see you soon.
and make sure to tune in to Who's That Star? You've been listening to Who's That Star? I'm Lisa A., and you can listen to this episode of Who's That Star and other shows from LCC Connect anytime online at lccconnect.org. Thank you for listening. Catch me next time to find out who's that star. We're celebrating one year of LCC Connect, Lansing Community College's first podcast platform dedicated to keeping you connected with LCC and your community. Catch the vibe by visiting us at lccconnect.org and then click on the Celebrate tab to check out photos, videos, and find out how you can get involved. We are LCC Connect. Voices, vibes, vision. If you're considering returning to school, exploring career options, or needing support in life transitions, Lansing Community College has the Adult Resource Center available to qualified students. The Adult Resource Center staff provides one-on-one appointments, registration assistance, referrals to community and campus resources, tuition and childcare grants, academic advising, and other helpful tools to help with your educational career. To find out more information, visit lcc.edu and search Adult Resource Center. MidMichigan Recovery Services is committed to inspiring hope by providing a safe environment, teaching and modeling healthy lifestyles for all impacted by substance use disorders. We know recovery is possible because we've been serving Lansing area community members since the late 1950s with education and advocacy. We added treatment services in the late 1960s, providing residential treatment, outpatient and intensive outpatient treatment services, and also housing services to community members struggling with substance use disorders. Please let us know what we can do to help you to engage with services or support for substance use disorders. Our phone number is 517-887-0226, or you can go online to mmrsinc.org to find out more information about our services. Hi, I'm Melissa Kaplan, and I host a show called Galaxy Forum on LCC Connect. It's all about the creativity in our classrooms and on campus here at LCC and the connections we have with the community. You can catch Galaxy Forum here on LCC Connect or listen anytime at lccconnect.org. Build your skills and knowledge without giving up your independence. Summer registration opens March 28th at lcc.edu slash get started. Lansing Community College's dual enrollment program offers the opportunity for qualified high school students to earn college credit while working towards their high school diploma. Dual enrollment lets students receive educational advancement in areas where the student's interest is displayed, especially in courses and academic areas not available in the student's high school. To find out more information about dual enrollment, visit lcc.edu. This has been a presentation of LCC Connect, a weekly program that features the voices, vibes, and vision of Lansing Community College. All shows featured on LCC Connect are recorded at the WLNZ Studio, located on LCC's downtown campus. Each program is podcast-based and can be heard anytime at lccconnect.org.
If you or someone you know would like to be a guest on one of our shows, connect with us by emailing lcc-connect at lcc.edu.